Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I always believe when you're buying your own home, that's a really, that's a good tip. Is you need to think of it as an investor because it's a massive investment, and you can make you can make significant wealth off your family home um, if you choose right. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking to Karen Young who will share her journey starting as a nurse in Melbourne and juggling motherhood with running a buyer's agency and podcast. Find out how she maintains impressive yields from quality investments and how she makes a small portfolio work for her. Karen Young is the host of property investing show called Everyday Property Investing that was started in 2010. She also runs a buyer's agency and property management business in Brisbane. Young shares with us a typical day. I do a lot of things. I exercise. <laughs> I drive a lot. Um, I analyze people's requirements and locations. I go and inspect houses. I make offers. I organize things. So I organize clients and and agents and contracts and I talk on the phone a lot, I email a lot and I manage people. So I pack a lot into every day and it's different every day. Wow. And you've also got a family of kids as well too. So I do, yeah. So I, I, I didn't want to know if you wanted to um, talk about personal stuff but yes, I also, um, you know, wrangle some children at the same time. She understands that as an investor and a mother, patience is key and unnecessarily worrying about what may or may not happen will get you nowhere. I'm pretty relaxed actually as a property investor. Um, I think over having done it for quite a number of years, you know, initially I was very stringent about what strategy I was doing and how what I was looking for and now I'm a lot more relaxed about it. I've realized that over time your strategy actually evolves and changes and morphs and a lot of that is based on where you're at in life. Um, so what I was relevant for me, you know, eight or ten years ago is not is not as important now. And um and you have to adjust with those changes in your life. You can't sort of you can't do a strategy that's very time intensive or money intensive when you've suddenly, you know, had young kids and you don't have time and money. So um yeah, I think I'm a lot more relaxed as an investor. This relaxed attitude can have big payoffs when the perfect property that you've been waiting for simply falls into your lap. Nowadays, like at the moment, I'm actually looking for a property, which we might talk about a bit later. But um, yeah, I just sort of, you know, I'm not as desperate for a deal. I can look around because I'm looking at property every day. I'm fortunate enough to, that I will stumble across an amazing deal, and I'm in a position now where I can just grab it if I wanted to. Um, yeah, so it's quite a, it's a nice position to be in. Moving around Melbourne in her youth, 
Young was exposed to the different qualities and drawbacks of properties all over the city. I grew up in Melbourne um, and you know on the outskirts on the northern suburbs of Melbourne and um, moved around quite a few places in, within Melbourne in my you know, early adulthood. I lived overseas for a while. I lived in London for about four years and then I came back to Australia. So, But yeah, essentially I'm from Melbourne, but now I'm a Queenslander through and through because there's no way I'm going back to that cold. Property investing was never the plan for her, who began her career in the totally alien field of healthcare work. It took returning home from overseas for her to realise the value of owning property and having her own extra source of income for the future. Look, I've always kind of liked property, but I, to be honest with you, I was just doing what people do. I was living life and, you know, I was traveling and um, I worked and did it at bits and pieces and I didn't really seriously think about investing in property till quite late, till I was sort of about to turn 30, I think, and suddenly decided, oh, I need something in life that's like a future type thing. Um, but up until that point, I really hadn't given it a lot of thought. Um, and I think now, you know, a lot of times when you ask people advice, they say, what's the one thing you wish you could change? And it's, I wish I had started earlier. And, um, you know, I'm no different. I, should, I wish I had started earlier. Um, but alas, as long as you wake up at some point and start doing something at some point, um, that's the main thing really. So, yeah, I didn't – I really wasn't that into it until I was probably about 30. Um, and realistically, like I came back from living overseas and I realised, you know, I'd been spending money and, you know, travelling and doing all those great things. But then I realised it was time to really get started to think about something for the future uh, and buy something of my own. So I did. I bought a little flat in Melbourne. Um, it was a one-bedroom flat in um, Carnegie, actually. Um, and, you know, I did all the mistakes and I paid too much money for it and I listened to what the agent told me to offer on it and did what they said <laughs> and I, I did all of that. But I, even then I sort of bought that and sat on it for a bit and I didn't really um, didn't really do much seriously. I just I bought this and I sat on it and I, I still wasn't really – that into it and it wasn't until I had kids a little bit later that I then really started to learn and understand and realize that I needed to you know start setting some goals and start working towards something I just bought something early on because I felt like that was the thing you did when you're about 30 you, you bought a house or a flat or something mm. but then it wasn't yeah two years later that I actually went no hang on a minute I, I need to be planning for the future here She was then inspired to start her property investment journey due to the lack of property investors in her life. I think one of the driving factors for me getting involved in property in a more serious manner and really taking some time to learn and, um, you know, reading and seminars and expos and talking to people and um, actually really understanding property, one of the drivers for that was my parents, but not perhaps for the reasons that you think. Mm -hmm. So they weren't property investors. Um, they, you know, worked their whole lives to pay off the mortgage on the one house um, and they actually split up then and, you know, so they kind of, you know, they both have ended up now. They're both, you know, retired and on, they live on a pension. Um, they don't have investments and it was really seeing them work hard their whole lives to really end their working lives with not much to show for it other than, you know, this one house that they paid off and then had to split between them and stuff. Um so uh, that did inspire me to actually go, well, that's what, not what I want to do. I don't want to work my whole life to pay off a property and then really have nothing much at the end and then end up on a pension trying to be supported by the government, which, you know, pension is not a lot of money. Mm. Um, and it was that was the inspiration for me really getting into it. 
Young believes that it doesn't matter where you get your inspiration from, whether from friends or family or no one at all, as long as you hold on to that inspiration. I don't think it matters where your inspiration comes from either. Like, you know, we weren't, I didn't come from an affluent family, um, but that inspiration still came from there. And I've got a friend of mine, um, Claire, and she was on, the sh- on our show actually really early in the piece. And I've also had her dad on the show. And it was funny because when she grew up, her mum and dad, they invested, they bought about 10 properties all mm. around Mount Waverley, Glen Waverley in Victoria, which is really expensive now. Mm. Um, and like she was inspired to invest in property from her parents investing. But, you know, essentially, as long as you get there in the end, doesn't matter where you take that inspiration from. This late inspiration resulted after years of working as a nurse overseas, a career that she also feels very passionate about. I've had lots of jobs, actually. Um, I've sort of done 10 year stints at different careers. So um, the first thing I did out of um, out of university, I actually studied nursing and I worked as a nurse. I was an intensive care nurse for about 10 years. Wow. Um, I worked overseas as a nurse in London and, and also in some of the major hospitals in Melbourne. Uh, and that was an amazing time. I, I loved I loved the technology of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I was in intensive care and I loved all the machines that went beep um, and understanding all the physiology of people's bodies and the way that you could uh, manipulate, you know, uh, um, inspiratory pressure on a ventilator and it would change this physiology over here and things like that. So that was really cool. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. Um, and I did some study, you know, some postgraduate study in that as well. And then after that, I actually I liked all those machines that went beep so much that I decided to do um, a grad dip in information technology. Um, and then I actually went on and did a master's in information technology. So I then worked in IT for about 10 years and actually took that knowledge I had from um, the clinical sort of side of things and worked in clinical and medical IT related fields. Um, so I'd write software specifications for um, clinical information systems and things like that. Um, so that was really interesting. Uh, and then um, I did that for about 10 years as well. And then I um, really thought that I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about and property was my, my hobby and my passion. And at that point, I'd already started uh, the podcast, um, Everyday Property Investing. And so I was doing that and, and I wanted to make a way that I could um, turn property, my passion, into what I was doing every day. And so I looked at different, um, you know, property-related uh, occupations and in the end, I, I thought a buyer's agent would be the right thing for me. And so I'm a very analytical person um, and I like, you know, the analysis side of, of property. And so that was a really good fit. And that's when I started the business and um, that's been, you know, going great guns. We've been buyer's agent of the year for the last two years. Um, we've been a finalist again this year. We've, you know, won Telstra Business Awards and things like this. So it's been a really, really good ride. <laughs> Still wow. loving it. Young's knowledge and experience in IT gathered during this time was a major factor in the success of her current business. We use all of these amazing IT systems and that's just having like like everything you do leads you to somewhere else in my view and so all of that IT knowledge, there's no way I could have set up and made this business what it is if I didn't have that knowledge. Um, yes, you can make a successful business without, you know, having IT knowledge. Mm. You can bring in that knowledge. But for me, you know, we, we're in a position where we had to start it with very little capital um, and really get it you know, all the marketing and all that. So, you know, I made the website, I, I did all the, the videos and, um, 
you know, all of this sort of stuff, all the marketing, you know, I, I had the knowledge to do all that stuff. So it was really everything that you do sort of leads you to somewhere. Although it is funny though when clients ask, a lot of clients will, or potential clients will say, you know, what qualifications do you have? And the funny thing is as a buyer's agent, there's very little qualifications that you actually require to work as a buyer's agent. Um, so when they say what qualifications do you have and I give them a list of all of these bachelors and masters and this and that and they're all not property related at all (laughs) (laughs) but um, you know realistically you need a certificate for in real estate to be a real estate agent so you know um, sometimes life experience and, and those experiences are more important with this background in IT, she also has a recommendation for useful software that property investors can use to help them organize and manage their projects I'll give you one basic one. This is a really simple thing, but to me, it is absolutely vital. And I use this not just for, for the business and the buyer's agent. I use it for projects. So if you're doing a property-related project, so you, you know, um, you're deciding that you're going to make your next purchase, I use a project management system called Asana. And Asana just is organizes my life. I organize my life in Asana. Um, and you know, unless it's, you know, if it's in Asana, it'll get done. And it also helps me to unload the things that are all in my head so that I can actually, when I have time off, I can relax because I know I don't have to remember all these things that have to be done there in Asana. So to me, I think Asana is an amazing tool um, that you can use to, and it's basically, you know, you write to-do lists, essentially. You you know, a project management system is essentially a bunch of to-do lists to do with a project. So if you've got a project, for example, your next property purchase, you can put that in Asana and go, okay, what's the next steps I need to do to make this happen? And then when you put it in there and you put a date next to it and it's sending you an email to remind you you needed to do it, they're the things that push you forward and make you do things. So I think um, so many people say, oh, you know, I wish I had have invested or I was been looking to invest but I just get busy and all that sort of stuff. If you don't write it down and make it a task in your life, then often it just gets pushed to the side because we're all busy. Coming up after the break. We will hear how Young educated herself in property investing. So I went to a lot of um, seminars and um, you know, I did a lot of reading. I read magazines. I read books. How strategies and goals can change over time. 15 by 50 was my mantra. I wanted 15 properties by the time I was 50 um, and and that was my mantra. And nowadays, I, like as I said, I'm a bit more relaxed these days and I realize that it's not about the number. You don't need 15 properties and it's not about how many properties you have at all. As well as how dwelling on mistakes can only lead to more mistakes that was a terrible thing, a terrible purchase that happened or whatever, I sort of take it all as learning and then move forward. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. The first property that Young bought was never meant to be an investment but rather the step that is expected by all young couples of buying a first home. So I sat on that property and I still wasn't really in the property investor's mindset at that point. I just bought it because I thought that's what you do when you're turning 30. (laughs) Um, So I did. I just bought it and I actually lived in it. I got a first home on a grant and I lived in it. It was just a tiny little one-bedroom flat. Um, And then, uh, you know, a few years later and I actually had a partner, had a baby on the way. And we thought, well, we need a family home. So um, we decided to sell that property. Um, it hadn't made massive capital growth, but it, but it had some. Um, but it was enough that, you know, it was enough that it leveraged just into a family home. So we bought a family home. Um, and I actually still own that house in Melbourne now. It's a rental property now. But um, we bought that house. And then um, 
and that was when I really, after we had the baby, I really started to get involved and educate myself. So I went to a lot of um, seminars and um, you know, I did a lot of reading. I read magazines. I read books. I really, there was a couple of books I really liked. Um, Margaret Lomas's book really resonated with me at the time. It was, I think it was How to Create an Income for Life. As we've seen with previous guests here at Property Investory, it seems that the spreadsheet is king when it comes to narrowing down potential suburbs and properties. I think even one of the, the Steve McKnight ones, I think how to from, go from zero to a million properties or whatever it is in two minutes. Um, <laughs> like, like, but at the time, those books really resonated with me. And the other one that I really liked was um, Robert Kiyosaki, Cashflow Quadrant. So oh, a lot of people, yes. you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is, you know, a favorite of everyone, but I reckon Cashflow Quadrant is the best. Um, so that one, those, those are sort of inspiring books and I learned lots and lots and that was when we actually went, okay, now we're going to consciously invest in property and we actually went and joined a, like an investing group um, at the time and that was really good because we surrounded ourselves with like-minded people um, and people who knew stuff about how to do it and then we actually made a, a, um, an investment property purchase and when I say we made an investment property purchase, I did massive amount of analysis because that's, you know, I had a spreadsheet and I put all the um, suburbs, all the suburbs in Australia in this spreadsheet wow. and I narrowed them down on vacancy rates and yields and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Um, until I had this short list of property um, areas that fit the, the criteria and then we went and bought a property. So I actually bought a property in Melton in Victoria, which is like outskirts of um, sort of Melbourne, mm. um, and we bought this sort of property that was a little bit um, a little bit run down and we did just a minor sort of spruce up on it and we put tenants in it and that was cash flow positive from day one and it also actually had a bit of development potential on it as well, which I didn't realise until later on. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so yeah, we bought that, and then it was a matter of I really wanted to buy sort of one a one a, a year type thing. I had this goal in my head: fifteen by fifty was my mantra. I wanted fifteen properties by the time I was fifty, um, and and that was my mantra. And nowadays, I, like as I said, I'm a bit more relaxed these days, and I realise that it's not about the number. You don't need fifteen properties, and it's not about how many properties you have at all. Mm. Um, it's actually about the quality of properties or what you do and depends on the strategy you're using like you know two really well placed properties with great capital gain could set you up for life the same way that 15 properties could in a different with a different strategy so i'm one of these you know one size doesn't fit all type you know many ways to skin a cat investor i call it um so i think there's many ways to make money out of property and so we then started buying uh roughly about a property a year we looked at um, different strategies. So um, we looked at renovation and we did a rena- buy, renovate, subdivide, sell um, down in Terrelgan, which is regional Victoria. Um, in that house in Melton, I went to a development seminar and I learned about development. And then I looked at one of the first things they said was, look at the properties you already have. And I thought, hey, yeah. So I looked at one and I thought, you know what, we've got that property there on a corner block with a big backyard. Why don't we see what we can do there? So sure enough, we could actually build a three-bedroom townhouse on the back of it. We didn't build it, mind you, but we did go down the process of getting all the approvals and everything, and then we on-sold with the approvals. There is always the risk that investments will not yield huge profits, as Young discovered. I don't think there was a massive profit in it, to be honest with you, because I just don't think, I don't know why people would give you an approval to build a three-bedroom townhouse on the back of a 450-square-metre block. Like that's oh, well, tiny. That's tiny. I was going to say, even in Sydney, to yeah. get a four fifty square meter block is tiny on a house. So I don't know how you yeah, managed so to I fit something like that in. And everything on the back. So, um, but you know, these are all part of the learning. Um, and so yeah, in the end, we ended up with sort of I don't know. I think we had about five or six down in Melbourne, 
um, before we moved up to Queensland. And then we actually looked at um, obviously we were starting a business and so we decided to sell down a few to raise capital for the business. Um, so we sold a few off down there and we kept a few. And um, since we've been up here, we've also bought we bought our own uh, place of residence, and that's actually had really significant capital growth in it, which has been great. Um, I always believe when you're buying your own home, that's a really that's a good tip. Is you need to think of it as an investor because it's a massive investment, and you can make you can make significant wealth off your family home um, if you choose right. So um, yeah, we, we we chose pretty well, I think, and we, we've got some good gains in that. We've bought property in our self managed super fund up here as well. Mm. And um, yeah, so we've got still got some property in Melbourne, and got some property up here in Queensland, in Brisbane as well. So that's in a nutshell. She also realised that not every goal is an achievable one, or even a smart one. Currently holding two houses in Melbourne and one block of land, as well as two more in Queensland, her new goal is strictly quality over quantity. It's really important for people to have a goal, and we had that mantra: fifteen by fifty. I don't really subscribe to that anymore. Um, to me, it's all about, uh, you know, what you do and what your strategy is and stuff like that. So at the moment, you know, I'm looking for a property now that has development potential to put townhouses on it. So, um, you know, there's a variety of things you can do, but I guess one of my tips is don't get hung up on the numbers of things. Like a lot of people can say, oh, you know, I own, you know, at one point we had, like I said, I think we had six or seven. Um, but realistically, the bank owned a lot of that. So, and, and they were in sort of lower budget areas in some of them where the capital growth wasn't massive. So, you know, one well-placed property with a lot of equity in it is worth more than 10 that the bank owns 90% of. Mm. Uh, you know, so you've got to have a, have a think about that. It's not, don't get too hung up on the numbers of it, I guess. Young's aha moment was not the traditional scene of falling into money, but rather the realisation that change is the best strategy. And I think that moment made me more open-minded as an investor because, like I said, early on I was like, it's all about the cash flow, it's all about the cash flow. And that, that resonated from Margaret Lomas's books, you know, and Steve McKnight's books. It was all about that. And then and I was always a bit poo-pooing all the whole the negative gearing people. But negative gearing isn't a strategy. Negative gearing is like a, a tax break. That's mm. what that is. Mm. But the strategy there is capital growth. Um, that's, you know, if you're going after a negatively geared property, you're going after capital growth. And surely you're not just chasing negative gearing for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make sense. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, so I think that aha moment was not just that I needed a growth property. It was, hang on a minute, I can't just stick with this one strategy of cash flow positive property forever because that's just not going to pan out unless I get a, a whole truckload of these and I can't see that working. I'm going to need to change and I need to change and evolve and that was where my mind opened to a range of different things. And that's where I am now. So, you know, I, I'm still open to doing renovation and selling. We did a, a Renault flip project a couple of years ago up here. Um, I'm open to development. I'm open to still buy and hold. It just depends on what I need at that point in time. Her worst investing moment was not a time of despair or loss of money, but the missed opportunities, the possible investments that she let slip through her fingers that she regrets the most. I'm not a person who dwells on, oh, gee, that was a terrible thing, a terrible purchase that happened or whatever. I sort of take it all as learning and then move forward. So to try and think of what's the worst moment, I don't have really negative feelings toward anything, to be honest. Um, it just was what it was and I learned something from it. So I can share like, you know, for example, I think the, perhaps the thing that I look back upon 
with the most regret is probably when it's when you start thinking about the things you didn't buy. Um, so it's not the things I bought that went wrong because, like I said, you know, I've had a few little bits and pieces, little blips, but I haven't really lost any major money. I haven't lost any money actually from anything, um, which is the, one of the great things about property. <laughs> um, and But I think it's the things I didn't buy and I wish I had of that were perhaps some of the worst sort of things. If I, and so I tend not to dwell on them too much. Um, so, for example, the first property I ever tried to buy was a one-bedroom flat in Mentone in Victoria, and it was, lit, you know, two-minute walk down to the beach, and it was the agent was sort of telling people it was going to be offers over $90,000 at the time. And so I thought, oh, I'm in with a shot here because I've got 150 to spend. Um, so I'm in with a good shot here. And it like, got to the auction. It was packed packed and the thing sold for $155,000. So this was, you know, in the days of when they tell you, bait you in with certain money and then the auction sells for so much more. Mm. Um, I think those days are still around to some extent. (laughs) Those would be the the sales Um, market. (laughs) Yeah, but, but yeah, like if I had bought that, the money I could have made on that. And likewise, there was another property in a really good suburb, Bayside suburb in Melbourne, and I remember I was going to buy it to live in. Um, and I would have got a first home on a grant. I could have lived in it and stuff. And it, it got up to about $350,000. And at the time, I was like, oh, that is so much money, so much money. Um, you know, and I was buying it by myself. So I'm like, I'm going to have this massive mortgage and blah, blah, blah. And so I pulled out of this this purchase. I, I didn't get, I was in it sort of in the running with someone else who was competing for it. But essentially, I, I stopped at three fifty. And if I look at what that property was worth now, I would just have to, I don't know, I'd have to crawl in a corner somewhere. (laughs) So, but, you know, at the time, you know, and at the time I had no kids, I had a good income, I could have supported that mortgage. And if I had, I would have made a lot of money, but I didn't. I didn't buy it. Instead, I bought out of suburban cash flow positive by $3 a week property. And in hindsight, probably not the best move. Um, So I think it's the things that I didn't buy that are probably some of the worst moments but um, but like I said, I don't dwell on my, you know, you take it as learning, you, mm. you know, you do what's right for yourself at the time or what you think is right for yourself at the time and you just have to move forward. Currently looking for another property to add her portfolio, Young is excited about the thrill of hunting down the perfect property again. I think maybe because I'm back in the market at the moment. So, you know, because I run a business now and I, I don't, you know, I'm flat chat busy for a start, but I don't, I haven't bought property as frequently as I, as I used to. Mm. Um, and you know, the last project we did was a couple of years ago now in our super fund and, you know, a couple of years ago we did a reno flip project. So it's been a little while, I I feel like anyway. (laughs) Um, and yeah, but I was just been sorting out some numbers and, um, we're, we're back in the market. So I'm a bit excited. I, I get excited about the chase and, and the potential and looking at something with potential. So I've been having some fun looking at some sites with, with the development potential and really, um, I've done a lot of education stuff around development in the last two years or so um, and now really putting some of that into play in finding and, and assessing sites um, for development so that's that's what I'm excited about at the minute I think wow. <laughs> and that and the business obviously our business is you know we're helping so many people it's so exciting to like we would buy at least one property a week um, you know and some weeks you know a couple of weekends ago I went out I bought three properties on one one day and it's so exciting I still get excited <laughs> about buying property they're not all for me, obviously, but yeah. if I, I'm sort of, you know, get, sending that excitement to the clients as well. So that's really good. Thank you to Karen Young, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. 
If you want to hear more stories like this, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.